0: there banditos thank you for joining us for a brand new episode for a brand new week where as always we fling open the doors of your local comic book shop and talk to your favorite creators of the comic book world i am joe marcello i'm Warren phillips i'm mike farah and today's interview is with a writer who's done a smattering of a little bit of everything we're talking about comics books tv He's a big DC guy with a long run on Superman from 1972 to 1986 and Batman from 73 to 76. He's also written for TV shows such as X Men, Spider Man, and Batman the Animated Series, one of our favorites. We're talking about Elliot Maggin.
1: Yeah, Elliot is pretty interesting because besides being a writer, he is also a character in the DC Universe. He's written himself into a few books. One of them I actually picked up a couple weeks ago when I was reading through. I'm like, whoa. That's him. Uh, so to speak to somebody who is, uh walks both worlds is pretty awesome.
2: I wasn't able to make this interview. I'm jealous, guys, because this is the person that helped introduce Superboy Prime, uh, Superwoman. He also was the initial writer on the Bat Family. And we know how um, valuable the family of Batman-type characters has become to DC. So really interesting character. In and among himself, and uh, would love to hear more. So, I'm looking forward to it. This is Elliot S. Magnus.
0: We're going to be asking you some really, uh, you know, uh, fun questions about your career, and uh, we kick it off the same way with every one of our guests. And we ask them how you
3: discovered comics in a barber shop in Brooklyn. Um, nice. My father used to like to ha- hang out with Andy the barber up the street, and uh. So I got a haircut every couple of weeks (laughs) and he had this big table full of comics and I would read his and then I'd get my dad to buy me some every once in a while he would.
0: Any particular uh, characters that kind of caught your eye or that you were a fan of back then? Superman,
3: Superboy. I liked them. Um, Supergirl didn't exist yet then. So I I liked her too. I liked Green Lantern a lot. I like Green Lantern. And I always thought so do I, I didn't get a chance to <laughs> to write more of that.
0: Yeah, I have to say, uh, you know um, you know what kind of jumped out to me about your career is uh, you're involving Superman but as well as Green Lantern, two of whom are my just absolute favorite characters. Yeah. Um, and in doing our research on you, we discovered that you know early on in your career, basically, you're working as a teenager professionally. And yeah barely you, you get yeah. your first like published story drawn by um neil adams yep and it's john stewart it ends up becoming a, the introduction no no, no, no. it
3: was it was the green arrow story in that book. oh green same, arrow okay it was the same uh the same issue but okay uh, i think denny never gave me any heat about about my horning in on his uh his book but uh I think he just got used to having green arrow hanging out with somebody doing a buddy story. So he created Jon Stewart for that issue and he took off. And not that he
0: just took off. I mean, he is for a generation. He is their green lantern. I mean, you know, for so many before it was Alan Scott, then it was Hal Jordan. And certainly now, um, you know, even my son who's, you know, seven years old, he's watching all the new animated shows and they focus on Jon Stewart and he is the Green Lantern. Not, you know, no mention of any of the others, by the way. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, there's obviously if you read the comics, you can get into those, but, you know, in any of the cartoons, the TV shows, very little, you know, mention of all the others. Uh, Jon Stewart is the guy. I mean, you must be pretty psyched about something like that.
3: Well, I like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, they did do a Green Lantern movie, which didn't do well. I liked it a lot. Um, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Green Lantern, he yeah. made a great Green Lantern. Um, he made a better Green Lantern than he made a Ryan Reynolds, I think. But yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, can you clarify kind of how that got created uh, for us? Because I was under the assumption that that was your story that kind of got adapted. No. No, okay. my
3: story was the Green Arrow story in the back. Okay. Um, it was half the book, uh, but I, I wrote a term paper. Oh, um, that's what I was I was a junior in college, and I wrote a term paper for a history class. Okay. Contending that comic books were, you know, it was a, it was on the history of the media. So I was contending that comic books were a political tool, as they were at the time in several countries. Um, not so much in the United States, but I wrote a political story and, uh, and, uh, I got a B plus, uh, Wikipedia <laughs> says it was a B minus, which I, I hear is funnier, but, um, <laughs> I got a B plus. And I went to the professor and asked him, I, I said, you know, when you write a comic book as part of a term paper, you get either an A or an F. What's, what does it mean that I got a B plus? He said, well, I thought you were going to draw it too. I can't draw, <laughs> so uh, so the B plus stood, and I was pissed about it. So I sent it to uh, Carmine Infantino, who was publisher at DC at the time, and um, as one does, as one does, <laughs> um, and he he didn't read it. He gave it to Julie Schwartz, and Julie didn't read it, and he he gave it to Neil Adams, who read it on the subway on the way home, and he came back the next day and he said, "If you buy this, I'll draw it." That's how it came to be Neil who drew it. Um, So Julie, it was a 20-page story. Julie wrote me back and said, uh, can you shorten this to 13 pages? We'll publish it. I said, great. And I did, and he did, and Neil drew it, and it was fun.
0: Go back to your teacher and be like, look at this. Huh? Go back to your teacher and just shove it in their face.
3: Yeah, I did. This is is what
0: a bee gets you.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, yeah, it was it was all over the school bookstore when it came out. It was uh, it was a big hit at Brandeis, <laughs> but I don't know anywhere else. But
1: <laughs> now, being a, a young man in the is- industry at the time, was it ever overwhelming for you with you know all that goes into the comic industry and working with some of these big names, or did you take yeah a a stride?
3: Yeah, I broke my leg sometime the first year I was uh, I was working, and 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 I. I was too intimidated to ask anybody to sign my cast, so my girlfriend signed it and my mother signed it. But I didn't get you know Danny or Neil or Julie or anybody any of those people to sign it. I made friends with them, but it took a while.
1: But still, you know, as you say, you know, you got to know them and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, yeah, but not because I broke my leg.
1: No, I think yeah, other reasons, and one of the reasons, of course, is uh, (laughs) Superman, which you know, very well connected with. When you uh got started to write Superman, for you what did you think was working on the book and what did you think was maybe not working so well for the book?
3: I mean before I took it on? Yeah. Well, I wanted him to be a human. Okay. I wanted him to be a human with superpowers. He was he was born and raised on Earth. He had a Kryptonian name, but he didn't remember Krypton. And and he was raised by these two iconic figures who who were like the perfect mother and father and I thought he should reflect that um I don't know what Kryptonians were like I mean when 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 I left uh John Byrne did a whole bunch of stuff about what Kryptonians were like and I I wouldn't have made them like that mm-hmm. but uh, um I, I I always contended that Superman was the real identity and that Clark was the disguise. Um, but I wanted Superman to be human. I mean, if, if my uh, son-in-law is working on, on the Mars lander, um, and he met this girl who's uh, being groomed to be an astronaut on the first, uh, the first, uh, attempt to, to set up a colony there. And evidently, um, a trip to Mars is, is a lifetime trip. It's a one-way trip. Um, and Superman's Superman's uh, trip to Earth was a one-way trip. Um, and uh, he's an Earth man, just as if we sent a 15-year-old girl to Mars, she'd be a Martian. Um, so uh, I don't know what Martian values are, but we'll find out, I hope, before long. Um, because she's 18 now, and I don't want her to get too old before she gets there. Um yeah so I wanted to make him human. I wanted him to have a real relationship with a real human person. Um and I think what I would have done if I'd stayed on it longer would would be to develop the relationship with Lex. Um ostensibly his enemy who was who had been his friend. Uh but that's what that's what I thought was missing in the series at the time. I didn't think it was a a grievous uh, a grievous uh error to leave it out but I had thought about it so I wanted to I wanted to deal with that
0: makes sense I'm gonna, cl- I'm gonna be completely honest with you I don't know how to follow up with <laughs> what you just said really <laughs> your 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 son-in-law is working on uh oh
3: yeah well he's an engineer <laughs> that's
0: all. how do you follow up with anything that's going to compete with that that's amazing
3: that you is know, absolutely I, amazing I um I mean he's just an engineer he's one of the, oh. on the big team he, he he's a good kid he's a good kid i'm very impressed with
0: him they make podcasts <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but in all honesty that is fantastic That is was really yeah. something um so it, kind of keeping in line with the superman um how did you go from uh well i thought it was green lantern but actually green arrow um yeah to make that transition to Superman. And was that, I mean, that must've been quite an undertaking for you. Just, you know, feel, was there any pressure on your part to start working on Superman?
3: Well, yeah, Julie, Denny was writing it and Lynn had written a couple of them. And Lynn liked Superman. Denny didn't. Denny didn't like Superman at all. And he wrote some of the best Superman stories I'd ever read. Um, But he thought he wasn't realistic. He thought Batman was realistic, and I told him he was out of his mind. I said, "I said said, the likelihood of a gazillionaire playboy running around at night beating up criminals is nil. It's negligible. It doesn't exist." Um. And and I explained to him why I thought a Kryptonian with superpowers was much more realistic. Than a batman with a mask and a lot of fancy gadgets um elon musk thinks he's batman but he's not <laughs> He's just now he's just batman. wacko yeah no, he, you know he's yeah he's kind of wacko but what do you expect um yeah i mean there are there are like 800 billionaires in the united states and not a single one of them has become batman they're all losers <laughs> yeah there's yeah. you know, there's a number of like internet groups that discuss that
0: type of thing. And I think it's hilarious because Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there you'll there's any number of um like you said, you know, billionaires in the in the country, none of them doing their using their money for I will say, you know, purposes that will improve, you know, ground level um you know, the, the ground level of of the world, as opposed to, you know, we're trying to change the, the environment and renewable energy. That's great. But why don't you help the little people? Why don't you, you know, prevent crime, create a cool car that you can drive around at night with and
3: beat up bad guys. You know, none of that. I've never, I've never been that preoccupied with money, but I decided in my next life, that's what I'm going to do. Smart. That's I a good idea when I was about seven or eight um, that my dad and I were were flying around Brooklyn and whirly bats fighting crime. And and I think I've always kind of wanted to do that. Well, but not this life. Next one. Next time around. Yeah. And, and I'm I'm planning for it. I, I just don't want to start it anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. The billionaire part, too, right? Yeah, because I, you need you know, to be to live in Brooklyn now. Well, I like it. I like it here. I like, <laughs> I like this thing I'm doing now. Good. And I'm going to stay a while.
0: All right, good. Well, I hope so. Um,
3: so I want to follow up also
0: with uh, a character that I absolutely love being, obviously, since I am a Superman fan, is uh, what has now become known as Superboy Prime. Um, You were involved with the creation of that Superboy, correct?
3: I, I created him. I wasn't involved with it. I made it up.
0: Okay, good. <laughs> no, they, I just
3: completely different character now. They I said them.
0: involved with only to make sure I cover all my bases in case my research was incorrect. So, yeah. Um, yeah now, obviously, that character has gone gone through some serious changes over the years, um, being more than just a super boy um, from a, I guess, another universe that has powers, to becoming just a a badass in you know the truest form of yeah. the word. Um, what are your thoughts on the
3: evolution of that character over the years? Well, I, it's not the way it would have gone. Um, they picked up on a character I created and, you know, good luck to him. Um, Len Wein always used to say, you know, and Len created Wolverine and he created Swamp Thing, um, and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and he always used to say, once they're out in the world, they're like kids. They, they go their own way. Mm-hmm. and you got to let him and um you know i was kind of pissed about what they did with my superboy he was from here he was from right. harvard um and uh i took what Len told me to heart um certainly had more he had more claim on being a creator of major characters than i did um I don't think I had more claim on being a creator of major ideas, but major characters. He was, yeah. he was the champ. Um, so it's okay. You know, well, they
0: did redeem the character at the end of his. Did they? Yeah. Yeah. I
3: haven't been following it lately.
0: Yeah. So I've, I've, I've enjoyed his arc over the years from crisis to the next crisis to, you know, yeah. Green Lantern versions and then back again. So, they finally sent him back to his home world and he was redeemed, uh, you know, trying to do the right thing. So, I appreciated that because I think there were a lot of people out there who were fans of the character who were just really upset the fact that they made him a corrupt Superboy yeah. and made him a spoiled brat, basically. And, you know, brought him, they more or less brought him back to this the, the core of what the character was and you know took a long time but people were listening
3: yeah i mean it's sort of like the career of justin bieber you know he was he was this <laughs> normal kid who put a bunch of stuff online and suddenly he was this big star and he got self important and now he's like a regular performer he can do what he does pretty well um i would love to see the green
0: lanterns kick his ass though
3: would you justin would bieber <laughs>
0: Yes, very much. <laughs> that would be fun. Are,
1: are there any Superman stories that you did that you know you felt really you were hitting on all cylinders? That are some of your personal favorites.
3: Number four hundred. Okay. Um, it was the anniversary issue. Uh, I didn't really have an overall title for it, but it was. It, it, people started referring to it as as um, I can't remember now when heroes live or something like that um the living legends of superman i think they called it and and um it was a series of stories that superman wasn't actually in it was about the historical perspective on the character um this was issue 400 by then it was it, it was in the popular consciousness for 45 years and i was maybe 30 35 at the time um so as far as i was concerned he was there forever um and uh what I did was I went through a bunch of futuristic periods in history and 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 in each period that the character of that point in history uh looked back on Superman in a different way and that was a lot of fun i I was really pleased with that um did you you know it? yes, yeah it was pretty know. cool I mean we got a bunch of Really good artists to work on people who hadn't done Superman before. I would have liked to have Kurt Swan do everything, but Al Williamson isn't bad.
1: Yeah,
3: <laughs> you know Michael is <laughs> not half bad. Um, so, you know that was that was my favorite story of all the stories I did, and I did it toward the end of the period I was writing it.
1: And one book that you did that a uh, quick question about is the one that had um, Superwoman in it. Yeah, annual yeah. then which I enjoyed quite a bit, and I always hoped that they would have done more with the character. Were there ever any plans to take her a certain direction? Yeah.
3: yeah. I mean, if I continued on it, I would have done more with her. Okay. Uh, she was based on a character I created for um, my novel, Miracle Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't have superpowers in the novel, but she was the same character. She was a historian right. from the 27th century, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um 28th century. I don't know. Her name was Kristen Wells. And she came back in time to do research for a for a monograph and uh found herself part of the history she was uh she was researching. Um she didn't have superpowers really, but she'd had a bunch of gadgets that she brought from the 27th century and and simulated superpowers. And and because she saw this superwoman costume lying around on somebody's bad she put it on and went and fought crime and did good stuff. Um yeah, it was a character I liked a lot. I still do. Um and I kind of have license to her. Uh I'm, I'm I've got a book in the wind that a novel that uh that she's a major character in.
1: Oh awesome.
3: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah.
1: I wanted to also get your thoughts on something you were not a part of, but I'm always very curious of how you would have handled it which would be the death of Superman. First, did you think it was necessary? And B, how would you have handled
3: something like that? I would have convinced them not to do it. Okay. <laughs> I just didn't think, you know, I kept telling people I killed Superman off five times in the course of the 15 years I was working on it. I never got a press release. I didn't think it was a big deal. But what they did with the death of Superman was eliminate that as a plot device. You know, they made a big deal about it. They 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 did they did a lot of press on it. Dan Rather talked about it on the CBS Evening News. Um, and and you can't do it again. You can't have Superman fake his death. You can't have Clark Kent die by accident so Superman could do something. You can't, you know, I did all these things in the course of that period and and nobody ever made a big deal about it, and I didn't want them to. Um, I would have rather they made a bigger deal about Superman number 400. Um, but, uh, no, I didn't think it was a good idea. Gotcha. Um, it made them a lot of money. I guess that's a good thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's never a bad thing. Yeah. good. My last Superman question for you is, I'm, uh, there are a lot of, in the 80s, team-up books that featured Superman with different folks. And I'm reading a book now about team-ups, and they said, you know, for some of the writers of the main books, like you were writing for Superman, some of the continuity from your books would sometimes be lost in some of these team-up books. Was that ever an aggravation for you uh, when something would happen in a different book and you're like, this is nothing to do or this goes against what we've been doing in this book? Well,
3: no, I mean, it didn't bother me. I, you know, I liked it when people who were really, really good used my characters as asides, you know, in... It was this character who wrote the obituaries for the Daily Planet. And he knew Clark was Superman. And um, I don't know if you remember that story, but no, whatever. I don't. Yeah. But um, he put it in the file somewhere, wrote the obituary, like you do if you're on the, the staff uh, at that end of the of the uh, of the process. And Julie said, this is a good character. Let's never use him again. I said okay. Never <laughs> refer to him again. Never mention the fact that he knows Superman's secret identity because it's just a can of worms. And when well, Alan Moore did uh, uh, the last two stories before Julie retired, um, he just had him standing in a corner, same character, just made sure he was there. And I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah,
1: That's pretty awesome.
3: that I like. I don't know. I don't. I don't like it when they allied things like. I, I started to allude to, but you know, I did, I did get shut out of it after a while and I just assumed they didn't, they didn't use my stuff because I want to use my stuff.
1: Right. Going to now, supposed Superman, talk a little about Batman. You did work on the Batman family. Um, did you have to change your style at all to do sort of more of a team book, uh, you know, as opposed to what
3: you're doing before? I don't know that i changed my style i wasn't aware of my style okay yeah i mean I, you know sorry okay. um i think when i started writing i i showed a couple of stories to my to to one of my professors and he told me there are three voices in it. there's your voice and there's some other guy's voice and there's some character's voice and i wasn't aware of it um i think it's like that you know i i didn't really change my style unless you noticed it (laughs) you know i I didn't notice it.
1: i mean i I also just having to write for so many you know various characters going on in one book as opposed to solely focusing maybe on one character specifically
3: yeah well that's it just makes the story harder to tell you have to You know, when you got a a JLA, JSA team up, for for example, you got you spend like six pages setting up the story before you before you deal with Act One. Right. Um, That's hard. But uh, you try to do as little of it. You remember you remember when when Jerry Conway wrote a Superman, Spider-Man team up? Yes. Was really good, I thought. And I wanted to do it. Um, And they they gave the assignment to Jerry because he was writing Spider-Man at the time and um and and there was never really any any competition for who should get that assignment um and i was kind of pissed uh, i wasn't pissed at jerry i was pissed at like you know whoever else made the decision um but i read the story and at some point superman runs into spider-man somewhere in new york and i thought to myself this is very good you know what i would have done with this story I would have spent seven or eight pages justifying. Oh, sorry, Red Cross is calling. I want my blood. <laughs>
1: um,
3: I would have spent seven or eight pages justifying having Superman from Earth One meet Spider-Man from Earth Marvel, and you know, going through all sorts of contortions to make that happen. And it would have lost, you know, that many pages of story space. It was a good story. And let's not even think about that.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, though, but it it is pretty cool that, you know, you threw your hat in the ring to be part of it. Well, I didn't.
3: I didn't. I didn't know they were doing it until they did it.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Gotcha. I mean,
3: yeah. Um, Tom Snyder talked about it on The Tomorrow Show. I was kind of jealous.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's still time.
3: You think? Time's gone. (laughs) No,
0: everything, look, everything counts now in DC. Everything matters. If it happened, it happened in some way, shape, or form. So, you know. Really? Yes.
3: All my stuff happened. It did. Okay, good.
0: Quite literally, because of the current whatever number crisis is going on. They've okay. been able to justify everything that's happened in the DC universe in some fashion due to any, you know, the infinite uh, Earths that are there now again. And everything happened. So
3: and, and about time, too. They should never have gotten rid of them.
0: I was going to ask, actually. So what I <laughs> I love listening to you because you clearly have some nice you have some really strong opinions on things.
3: Well, I don't. I don't have any reason to withhold them.
0: Well, th- well, that's you know, a lot of people are very di- try to be diplomatic about it. Yeah, forget and it. And <laughs> I would love to know if you have you know any thoughts on the current state of comics.
3: I don't know. Okay, I, I haven't. I haven't been following them. I really okay. have, and I it wouldn't be fair of me to make an opinion on them. No, yeah, fair enough. Okay. Um, I've been watching TV shows. I've been watching the movies yeah but i haven't haven't
0: followed the comics very much okay all right no no problem at all um one thing that you worked on that i'd be i'm interested in knowing how that how it happens and how you got involved with is novelization of kingdom come Mm -hmm. um i'm a huge fan of that uh i have the ultimate gigantic size behind me it's one of the books i always kind of go to whenever i want to read something um how does one get involved in a novelization of a graphic novel?
3: And what does that really entail? Okay. I don't know. Um, they came to me. Okay. And I wish they would more often because I don't know who to ask about it. But um, it was a lot of fun. I want to do more of them. Uh, I don't know that anybody's doing many more of things like that. But uh, I did I did two novels that came out with the first two Superman movies that Chris was in. And they were both bestsellers. They did very well. Um, I don't know why I didn't do any more. Um, I think Paul Paul Levitz gave me the script for the third movie, and he wanted me to. He asked me if I'd be interested in doing uh, uh, a novelization of the screenplay, and I said maybe. And I read the screenplay, and I said no, which wasn't the best career move. I I would have liked to do another novel, uh, my own story. Uh, I wouldn't even have minded doing a novelization of the first two movies, but I didn't. Yeah. Um, and they didn't need one. And Mario uh, Puzo was uh, contracted to do the novelization of both of those scripts, and he never did. Um, so I i guess that's what they would have preferred to have, uh, but I gave them come. and it was a lot of fun to do. The kingdom Come a uh, book. Uh, I got a phone call from Mark Wade, who said, "Have you read Kingdom Come?" And I said, "No." So he sent me the first two issues and and the pencils with inks with the uh, with letters for the third one and the script for the fourth one. And I read them, and I said, "You know, I really like your sensibility, and I'm sure um, it would be fun to do it, but they won't give me the same deal I had on the 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 two Superman novels I did." If they give me that, I'll do it. If they don't give me that, forget it. I'm not gonna do it. Um, he said, we'll just read them. So I read them. And at the end of the fourth book, um, he dedicated the thing to me. He liked, you know. So I said, I called him up and I said, You put me in a shitty bargaining position. I'm gonna <laughs> say no. So um, so I did it. Um and I liked it. I liked doing it. I like it was fun to do, it was fun. Um, to see on the shelves, it was fun. The only thing that wasn't fun was arguing with my editor about it, who turns out to be a pretty good guy. And I <laughs> argued with him a lot. Um, he was younger then. Um, but um, I like the book. There are a couple of things that I put into the manuscript that mysteriously vanished from the final, final version, but that's fine. Really? It's- such as? Oh just little things. I mean at some point I had Bruce um I had Bruce call up uh, Talia at the end of the book and she was Mother Talia at at Mother Teresa's old uh nunnery and he said I didn't even know you were Catholic. She said no, we're Muslim, but I'm flexible. And he <laughs> said and he said, "Yeah, we're Episcopalian, but I'm flexible too." Um and, and they took that out and hmm. they said, we don't we don't want to favor any particular denomination. I said, for Bruce Wayne not to be Episcopalian would be ridiculous. <laughs> you know. Um, That's funny. But they didn't want to do that. So, you know, there were little things here and there, but it came out pretty good.
0: It, it's yeah, it's, it's again, one of my favorite. Stories to read and reread and reread. Um, I would love to know in your career, has there been a character or a story that you really wanted to just, you know, really sink your teeth into and tackle and just for whatever reason, weren't, you know, never had the opportunity to do so.
3: Um, I would have liked to do more in Green Lantern. I would have liked to write Dr. Strange. I love Dr. Strange. Um. And I didn't do many stories for Marvel. Um, and Dave Michelini was doing a great job on it at the time. Um, I remember he came to a party at my house one day, years earlier, and he made some crack about wanting to write a Superman story. I, I said, no, you can't write a Superman story. You're not allowed. <laughs> and so I guess that's one of the reasons I never wrote Doctor Strange, but I would have liked to. Uh, uh, who else? I was thinking about something the other day. And I can't remember what it was, what I would have liked to do. Um, but I really would have liked to explore Luther and, and uh, Superman's uh, relationship further. Um, I did a little of that, but I would have liked to do more.
1: What was your experience like as an editor? Did you enjoy editing books?
3: or I hated it. You hated it? I just hated it. I hated, I hated the job. And I thought it's a job I should be good at because I, you know, I studied journalism in graduate school. Um, I knew all about doing stuff like that. Um, and I think that was part of the reason I didn't I didn't stay with D.C. any longer. Um, you know, I had a graduate degree from an Ivy League university. Um, it was threatening to people. Um <laughs> And I didn't, I didn't, it didn't even occur to me at the time. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't like, um, I didn't like the process of letting other people do the work. I just didn't, it just wasn't fun. You know, I took on more and more books until um, I had like 19 a month uh, toward the end of the time I was there. I don't know, it was, it, it, you know, they counted the licensed books as, as a book and a half uh, because, uh, because there was extra work to do with the licensor. Um, but um, it was a lot of work. Um, I would have liked to do more freelance while I was there, but I just kept taking on more and more jobs that get me there till 7, 8 o'clock at night when Paul would walk up the hall saying, go home, go home, go home. Everybody was there at 7.30. Paul would order them out of the building. Um, at some point, I stayed overnight to catch up on uh, on billing uh, vouchering for for my freelancers because uh, I was going away for two weeks, and somebody said, "Oh, you know, somebody was here overnight." Um, the security guy said so. But nobody came in, and I said, "Oh, that was me. No big deal. I was just, you know, talking to and Clark." Was it was a statue of Clark sitting in the hall. <laughs> so I used to talk to him once in a while, but um, but Paul comes into my office and he says. Uh, Pull anything like that again, and you're out of here. I said, seriously? <laughs> you know, he says, yeah. He says, it's not safe. It's not safe for you to be here. It didn't occur to me. Um, But uh, it was a lot of work. It was more work than I wanted to do. And I was used to freelancing all hours of the night. So, you know, it was something I was able to do. I had a lot of energy. I was, you know, younger then. <laughs> but... Uh... Um I just wanted to do more of the creative end and less of the assigning of things.
1: And part of the editing you did, as you just mentioned before, was uh with TSR, which mm-hmm. was owned by someone else. How much input did they have on their books, or was it you guys pretty much had free reign to do?
3: Well, we had we had something close to free reign, as long as we didn't screw around with their characters, with characters they had created and were, were, were dealing with. Um, but, you know, they reviewed everything and I was on the phone with them constantly, um, made friends with everybody over there. Um, um, but it was more work. It was more work to do than than a regular, you know, DC book. I did, I think the only DC book that wasn't licensed that I edited was the, uh, the Challengers, of the unknown series. Mm. Um, I did six of the seven of those. Um, and my name got dropped off. Fr- starting with number two, because I had left. Um, I moved to California. Yeah. And apparently that's something you're not supposed to do in the, in the, uh, in the 1980s. <laughs> so You were ahead of your time. I was ahead because, of my time. Here because now. Everyone does it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody goes to California, <laughs> uh, but here I am, yeah. still. Here.
1: And you've also been a character in comic books as well.
3: Yeah, I'm licensed. <laughs> How <laughs> crazy is that? That you? I'm, I'm a copyrighted character.
1: You're a living uh, comic book character.
3: I am. I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a. I had a friend, still do, named Max Maven, who's a magician. Um, he's a really good stage magician he's a terrific guy and I went to college with him when his name was not Max Maven Um, and I made him a character in uh, the Miracle Monday novel the second of the Superman novels Um, and he knew all about it I I just made him a character and he called up uh, Warner Books at some point a few A few months before the book came out, because he knew all about it. He'd read it. Um, And he said, I'm a character in Miracle Monday. And they said, no, you're not. Uh, We don't have any licensed characters in Miracle Monday. Um, All the characters are fictional. Um, He says, no, you don't understand. I want to help. I want to do publicity. I want to run around the country with Elliot making noise about this book. And they said, no, 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 you don't exist. Goodbye. Click. (laughs) (laughs) And that would have been fun. Max is a good guy. Um, but they didn't want to, they they wouldn't hear of it. So, uh, what question am I answering? I don't, I don't remember now. That
1: just that you are
3: a, a character, <laughs> yeah. Well, so is Max Maven. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I said that there's no Elliot Megan, uh, action figures coming out anytime
3: soon or anything like Not that. Not that I know of, <laughs> soon um, Max would Somebody make a good can... action figure, you know. He's got that, I don't know, he's got that like,
0: widow's peak, right? He's got the yeah, slick back peak, and... And... everything's shaved off very like, neatly mm-hmm. yeah
3: you know, little goatee he always wears black he has this black flowing robe he walks around hollywood with
0: um <laughs> he's got that you know very yeah. intense look on him yeah oh i remember yeah. his shows
3: he stares uh at the audience at the beginning of the show until it's completely silent and then he starts you know
0: that's kind of how we do it too yeah,
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, so before we go, I want to ask, what do you have coming up next that, you know, we can look out for?
3: I'm doing a couple of novels, um, which I haven't shown to anybody, uh, except a few of my friends. Um, I've got, uh, I've got a trilogy of time travel stories that, uh, Kristen Wills is involved with, um, I got a soft porn book I'm working on. I don't know if I'll actually, that'll actually ever see the light of day, but I wanted to do it because I promised my sister I would. Um, And I got another one that I'm I'm working on now that I can't seem to get to the end of, but I always tell people the last 20 pages of a book makes the book. So I'm not there yet. We'll see. And I don't want to tell you about that because it's, you know, it's just one of those things that's um, high concept. Um, Fair enough. But I got a book out called uh, Not My Closet, which is the only book I've ever written that's about people who don't fly under their own power. They're about real people. Um, and I reissued uh, the two uh, the two books from the from the 70s and 80s, the Superman books. Uh, what else? Mm, a bunch of stuff. Look at in, look in Amazon. Look at BN.com. It, it's all there. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Now, are you on social media? Or where can... Um... Fans I, check you out. I, I check out Facebook pretty much every day. Okay, and it, it gets me annoyed, and then I close my laptop and go home. As and it
0: that, does, of course.
3: <laughs> yeah, Facebook gets me annoyed, and then I watch the news. It's really very weird. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's a vicious circle, really. Because yeah, I know. You know like you go here, like ah, oh, I hate this, and then you go
3: here, like oh, I hate this too. And then you yeah, say, oh, I'm going to bed,
1: blood and for punishment.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got these two guys. I hang out with. Uh, they I call them my bubble. We hung out together on Tuesday nights through the pandemic. Um and we watched, you know, first we watched Supergirl and then a bunch of other stuff and and now we get together every Tuesday night and watch about 3 hours worth of of uh um of, you know, superhero shows or science fiction shows and and we eat pizza and drink wine and um and and it's monday the 7th now so tomorrow night we decided tomorrow night we're gonna watch election returns for a change um probably a horror show for heaven's sakes but
0: i was gonna say that's quite a jump you know going from yeah. superhero <laughs> stuff to election results
3: yeah yeah
0: um but hey look you know you're drinking wine while doing it so it's gonna be fun yeah i got i bring
3: the wine it's attached there to talk. we talk business it's okay <laughs>
0: Hey, welcome back. That was a great interview. I have to say so. Uh, Even though I was a part of it, I will toot our own horn. Horn kicking ass, as always, too. Um, Yeah, it was a fun guy to talk to. And look, talking to a guy who created some really, um, you know, mainstream nowadays, for sure, and pivotal characters in DC uh, history was awesome. I love Superboy Prime. Uh, Of course, he doesn't seem to be as fond of the new incarnation as maybe I am, but that's okay.
1: Yeah, it's also just such a sort of a mind blowing thing that this is a guy who had such a long run on the biggest superhero in the world. Like everybody in the world knows Superman, and he was the man responsible for ushering in so many stories for so many years and really opening Superman up to uh, millions of readers through that time. So it's incredible uh, the run he had on, on the biggest hero of all time
2: guys bang up job on this interview sorry you couldn't make it but of course you guys carried on and carried through uh with flying colors uh Elliot seems like a cool cat uh love the uh you know the answers he gave on all your various questions and, and digging into those uh dc characters and then of course his animation work so uh fantastic episode what can i say hats off Um, If you like this episode, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Listen to our other stuff. Tell your friends. Tell everybody you know about the Dollar Bin Bandits. And we will be back next week. See ya. The Dollar Bin Bandits are Orrin Phillips, Joe Marcello, and Mike Farah. New episodes release every Wednesday and Friday. You can find us on all the socials at Dollarbin Bandits on Facebook and Instagram, at DB Bandits on X. For more super nerdy discourse, join the Dollarbin Banter Group on Facebook. You can email us at DollarbinBandits at gmail.com. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you found this episode. It's the easiest and most helpful way to grow the show. Looking for merch? Search us up on TeePublic. And if you want to support what we do, smash that support button on our website dollarbinbandits.buzzsprout.com Thank you to Sean McMillan for our graphics and Pat McGrath for our logo. Thank you to our friends at Tomorrow's Publishing, T-W-O-M-O-R-R-O-W-S dot And thank you all for listening. Until next time, banditos.